We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you finish Did you that? that? We're, about one half, we're about halfway there. We're just saying that he's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. Uh, powered by Bet Rivers, Rob Doster, Matt McCall, I'm Megan McEwen. Gentlemen, hello. Happy first Tuesday of the year. And we finally have some fantastic conference matchups across the board. We're closely monitoring a couple as they come to an end. That's why Rob Doster is looking all over the place and not into the camera right now. He's got like 75 TVs in that office. We can only be so lucky, Matt. Gotta stay locked in. (laughs) Gotta stay locked and loaded. This man means business. Uh, We're going to start out the show like we do every single show with our toast of the night. Uh, Matt McCall, we'll start with you first. Well, I think first and foremost, uh, my toast wants to go to to Keontae Johnson, but uh, I'd be remiss if we don't talk about DeMar Hamlin and and pray for his family and uh, everything that transpired last night in that football game. And, um, you know, we still haven't heard if uh, he's out of critical condition yet, but you look at a guy like Keontae Johnson, very similar situation that happened to him uh, when Florida was playing Florida State. Gosh, it had to have been two years ago now, and nobody ever knew if he would play again. Um, and now he's at Kansas State. He's on a really, really good team. Last I checked in the game, I think he had 18, 7, and 5. Uh, and it's not about him playing. It's about uh, how he's come back, and, and you can see the joy on his face that he gets for playing the game. And you could see the joy even when he wasn't playing, when he was on the sidelines at the University of Florida. So uh, praying for DeMar Hamlin and his family. Uh, and everyone affected by that, but I got to give my man Keontae Johnson a toast um, and and cheers to him. Cheers. Cheers. Doster, what you got? Um, my toast is going to go to a team that uh, our very own Terrence Oglesby has been all over uh, basically since he saw them beat Kansas, who just beat Texas Tech um, in Lubbock tonight. Uh, that's the Tennessee Volunteers. They are a top 10 team Ooh. in America. They are the number two team currently on Ken Palm after they beat up on Mississippi State 87 to 53. Uh, they are they're the real deal. Look, I, I, there's no other way to phrase it. Um, Tennessee did not allow Mississippi State to score for the first 12 minutes. Uh, some of us may have bet on Mississippi State plus 10 and a half in that game. 
and uh, I may have donated some money to Bet Rivers in doing so. So uh, <laughs> that, my apologies, Rick Barnes. Never going to doubt you again. Cheers. Go Vols. Uh, Tennessee was up 46-22 at the half, by the way. Only allowed 22 points in the first half. So fantastic. Uh, fantastic toast there. Uh, honestly, I was talking about in the group chat, I'm going to toast the backboard across couch basketball because tonight I've never seen Ooh. more banked threes in my whole entire life amongst different games. Like, what are we doing, guys? What are Coach, what are y'all teaching nowadays to these players? Like, what, we need to get more reps in on the gun. What's going on here? Uh, sometimes the bank's open. Sometimes hey, the bank sometimes opens open behind late. the three-point line. Shavar Wheeler, he had a couple tonight, I think. I mean, the I bank's think open. Wallace hit one. That was a bank. Like, I mean, come on. But uh, anyway, that's my to the backboard. Still counts for three points. Bank shot open. Cheers. Cheers to the bank. Cheers to that. Cheers to the bank. So a lot of big games tonight. We're going to start this first one, though. LSU, Kentucky. It's January, and Kentucky sat at 7-4 and headed into this game, and somehow it was a must-win situation for the Wildcats. Rob, when in recent memory have you felt this type of sense of urgency and somewhat panic from the Kentucky faithful? Um, I mean – after last year's uh, NCAA tournament, I guess is probably the most recent time. Uh, I, I think it's been something that's been building with them, right? You had the the 2020-21 season, which was not, I mean, that was not good, right? We all know what happened there. I think you can give everybody a pass for what happened during the COVID season. Um, I think it's unfair to criticize anybody too much for that. Uh, even last year, you know, losing to St. Peter's, I think you can kind of squint and you can say, look, you know what? Severe Wheeler was banged up. We don't know how healthy Ty Ty Washington was. Kellen Grady had plantar fasciitis for like the last month of the season. I was trying to play through it and wasn't doing it all that well. So you can kind of talk yourself into a reason why that happened. But you, you combine all of that with, you know, the the loss, the, the last second loss to Auburn in the 2019 Elite Eight, the shot that Luke May hit to send uh, Kentucky home in the 2017 Elite Eight. The no call against uh, against Nigel Hayes on uh, on in in the 2015 Final Four when they could have ended up going 40. You know, it feels like uh, there's they, that 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 fan base has taken a lot of punches over the course of the last six to eight years, and I think that they're kind of getting frustrated with the the way that the program is going. Um, and I'll tell you what, for 20 minutes tonight, I texted you guys this in our group chat. For 20 minutes tonight, I was like, they fixed this thing. Coach Cal has got it solved. He's got this thing rolling. They shot 57% from the floor in the first half. They were four for eight from three in the first half. They had 11 assists. They had just two turnovers. Severe Wheeler was halfway to a triple-double. Cason Wallace was playing like a lottery pick. Oscar Sheewe's out here picking up every missed shot. It, it, they looked great for about 35 minutes. And then, you know, the last five minutes, they're up by 10 with, I think it was six minutes to go, man. And they just... You know, the offense just wasn't there. They weren't doing it. And it was kind of the same thing over and over again. That just, we just, we keep seeing the same thing. I feel like we have the same conversation every time we're on here about Kentucky. Yeah, it's it's crazy to hear you even say, too, like, you know, you get the COVID year, and and I think everyone deserved a pass in the COVID year, right? And you go back before that, and you're like, well, oh, then the Elite Eight, and then, oh, the Elite Eight, and then, oh, they had the <laughs> Final Four, and that oh, Nigel Hayden, and it's like, Wait a minute here. Like, what's the standard at Kentucky? Right? It's not Elite Eights. It's it's not even Final Fours. It's national championships. And you know, 
first and foremost, I'm, I'm trying to figure out is Cal going to go suit? Is going to go no suit? Are we going sweatsuit? What, like, what are we sticking he to? He's got to do the suit. I don't know. Tonight, the defensive stance on the sidelines, he was like willing his team to victory in that defensive stance. Sure. I think he needs to stick to whatever those nice khaki pants he had on tonight, w- wear the quarter zip and rock that out because um, you could see just like he was trying to will his team, even defensively. And I know there was a lot of criticism on that that last play in the first half where they ran and jumped at half court but you could see cal trying to send the guy up there like cal was the one that was like pointing to him like go get him go get him like almost trying to create something there that that wasn't there um but just trying to will his team and get them to fight and defend and compete at a high high level i want to give matt mcmahon credit okay i I, like nobody picked lsu to do anything this year if they didn't pick them last, it was South Carolina. Like who? Who it was like one of the two of them were picked dead last in the league, and he's got his. I, I liked him go. this year. I liked him this year. I was okay. in on him. Okay, I was okay. in on him. <laughs> so, but just it's one of the ones I got right, Matt. I got like two right this year: LSU and Kansas State. I'm taking my victories where I can get them. <laughs> and LSU's only loss besides to Kentucky is to Kansas State. So there you go. There you Double go. points for you, Doctor. There you go. You know, I, I like some of the executions coming out of timeouts by McMahon. You know, there was like 10 minutes to go. I think it was like 10, 12 to go. And they move the floor and they run the elevator. They get a wide open shot. It just doesn't go in. You know, I think if if that game is in Baton Rouge, I think the outcome could be different. I Like everyone's giving Cal, you know, so much, you know, what, what's going on? What's wrong with the offense? What's wrong with this? What's wrong with that? Like what's wrong with Oscar Chigwe? Like as crazy as that sounds. And the numbers that he's putting up are absolutely ridiculous. But if you watch him play on offense, I think he could be so much better. Like, the guy never screens. He never screens. He kind of floats around, and then all of a sudden it gets up on the glass, and he goes up and grabs it. Or, you know, I thought LSU's call to go to the zone in the first half was tremendous. But Shikabe keeps floating out of the baseline. It's like, okay, well, LSU's wings in the zone are pressing up. That means there's only the center that's sitting at the halo, like duck in or screen to get someone open and then duck in like the whole zone offense where you just got to get the ball to the middle of the zone. And they did that some tonight. And I thought Jacob topping was terrific in the middle of the zone. I thought he made a lot of good plays, but like, why can't we be critical of Oscar Sheway? Because I don't think, think, I think that we can. And I, I also think that we can be critical of how Cal uses him, right? You have a guy I don't think there's anybody that's better than him at like sealing or, or creating space or just using the fact that he's six foot nine, 260 pounds, whatever it is of solid. Like you can't move him. How come, how come we're not seeing offenses and sets that are designed to just kind of get him where all he has to do is turn seal, throw a post entry, turn a late in, you know, Bill self has made a living. He's won two national titles doing nothing but finding ways to scheme big guys plays where all they have to do is catch it and shoot it. Right. How come we're not seeing more of that? Um, one of the things that frustrated me, and this was pointed out by Terrence Oglesby with me today, was that he goes, watch, uh, watch Kentucky and see how often um, she weighs in the dunker spot. Like he's never there. He's never. But, he's always floating when, out. Yeah, he's coming you, out. He's coming out. He's coming out. He's like out past the SEC logo. It's like he's like, stop doing that. Like, get down on the baseline. And I do agree with you. And especially when you're playing against zone, like everyone thinks like, zone offense has to be the old like x right like you've got the bigs that are xing off each other one guy's at the high post one guy's on the baseline right like then they just x well like 
You can run ball screen continuity and have a five-man on the baseline that is screening for a shooter coming along the baseline, and then all of a sudden, if the wing defender takes the shooter going to the corner, now what? Duck in on the center and throw him Mm -hmm. the ball in the paint. It's one of the easiest ways to score against a zone, and they don't do that. Yeah, the one thing I will give him credit for is that uh, he's really shortened his bench, and I know some of it's been – kind of forced by injuries but it wasn't like cj frederick and lance where we're playing all that many minutes before they got banged up right um damian collins played nine minutes tonight antonio reeves played 14 minutes tonight it feels like those numbers are a lot higher than that or that it feels like that's a lot higher than it really was because every time i looked at the floor it looked like it was that main five right Toppin, livingston shibway case and wallace severe wheeler i feel like that's kind of what you have to roll with if you're cal you make that be the lineup that you use and then kind of work these other guys in in the moments where you need them. Uh, whether you need someone to come in and kind of spell she wait the five. You were getting killed on the glass, get Damian Collins in there. If you need some shooting, get Reeves or Frederick in there, right? But work with that group and figure it out with that group because, one, I think that's your best defensive group. And, two, I think that is the uh, – especially with Toppin playing the way that he has, I think that that's – the the group that you probably have the most offensive firepower with where you don't lose you know like if you have reeves or frederick out there you're not getting stops right yeah, you guys so. make a you make a good point about oscar sheet white like 19.16 rebounds you read that stat line you're like holy hell like that that's incredible i but think he could be better yeah well, i'm with you here's the thing he, he's he could potentially be an nfl tight end that's the body he has right just incredible size and physicality yet he's a non-factor on the first shot in a possession offensively He's great on, on, on the offensive rebound putback. No one can guard him then because no one can box him out. But at what point, to your point, Matt, is it on coach? And what point, at what point is it on Oscar? Like when you run an offensive action and you're saying, hey, we're running a middle ball screen. And that, that's a little bit difficult because a five man, a lot of guys go under. And if he starts twisting screens and he's going to pick up an illegal screen. But like if they're running a screening action, like a lot of times when you run screening actions and they don't do it like a ton but if like you're running a screening action, it's for two things. One, to get a guy a three-point shot, or two, to get a post up. Like that's it. Like nobody runs screening actions to get a mid-range jump shot anymore. So if you're running a screening action, he's got to screen and then duck in and post up to get himself open. Even if they're running spread pick and rolls, like screen and roll to the back. He has to screen to get himself open. He doesn't screen enough. I mean, you know what if he- really bothers me with this group, Matt, is is I think if you look at Look, go look at Purdue, right? I think yeah. that Purdue is going to be like they're kind of a similar build in terms of how they want to play versus Kentucky, right? Uh, they both have a big guy that really can't do much defensively and can't do much outside of like eight feet from the rim, right? They have four uh, four guards, four perimeter players around them. Believe it or not, this might shock people listening to this. Kentucky is a much, much better three-point shooting team than Purdue is right now. Purdue is outside the top 300 three-point shooting percentage so far this season. Kentucky's shooting like 37% from three. They're on like different spectrums. But if you look at what they run, Purdue is one of the most efficient offensive teams in college basketball. Now, a lot of that has to do is because they have the big fella Shaq Eady, not Zach Eady. It is Shaq Eady for now <laughs> at the five. Did, did you trademark that? I, I need to. You need to. That needs to be a shirt. That needs a shirt. That needs a shirt. do. Um, but the the other part of it is the, the actions that they run – Right when you get a lot of movement offensively, when you're running the ball around, when you're when you're swinging the ball around, 
Um, when you have guys moving, when you guys have cutting, when you're playing a two-man game and trying to get the ball into the post with somebody, if you just have simply a stagger screen on the other side of the floor, then all of a sudden that forces the defense to have to play yes. one-on-one in the post. Yes. Simple yes. stuff like that, and that yes. is not what Kentucky's doing, and that's what frustrates me. Like that, to me, that is really, really basic stuff. And, yes. that's- and to your point, you're forcing the defense to have to think every single mm-hmm. part, every single second of that possession. And they're not doing that whatsoever. Yeah. And, and this is why. So the, the low man for, for people that don't, that don't aren't into the X's and O's, right? The low man is the guy that is in charge of figuring out like, am I going to help on uh, the, the guy rolling to the rim? Am I going to be there to try to uh, catch a lob? Someone throwing it over the top. If there's a, if someone's fronting him. Right. Um, and the low man is always the lowest person on the weak side of the floor. The person that's guarding the lowest player. If you have movement on that side, defenses get confused. They don't, yes. they don't know who the low man actually is, right? Or the guy that thinks he's a low man, if somebody moves, all of a sudden you got a wide-open three-point shooter because he got lost. Like, movement on the weak side of the floor is just so important to finding ways to make everything work. Yeah, you can't just come down and dump the ball into the post. Like, it, it doesn't work that way. Like, you have to unless you're at the YMCA. get the defense to loosen a little bit. Like, you can't just, like, you got to run an act. Like, I, I totally get And, like, think about it. And I'm being critical of Oscar Shigwe and the guy – plays his tail off every single night and he you know goes out it's, and gets it's 17 fair, rebounds it's fair, but, it's fair but to like, criticize the guy that was I'm, a reigning I'm, reigning exa- national player exactly. of the year and the other he's thing not too the is national like, player of the year right exactly. you can critique like him. what like go back to like when luca garza like luca garza like ran the floor every single possession luca garza screened to get himself open like if oscar did that i mean i think he could get at least eight or nine more points a night mm-hmm a lot more impressive stats. Um, where does Kentucky go from here? Are you now kind of sold? Like, okay, this is they've got some kinks figured out, or did you learn more tonight? Like from a concerning standpoint, I I think it's a growth thing to me. I don't know if you feel this way, Matt, but I think it's a growth thing. Like, I I think we've seen them, including the Louisville game, like continue to improve on certain things. It's not perfect yet, right? And I don't think we should expect to be perfect yet. But as long as you're kind of seeing that progression, like I I think. What we saw tonight and what we saw against Louisville is so much drastically better than what we saw against Missouri that I can't help but say I like the direction that they're heading. I don't think that they are a team that is capable of uh, making a deep run in the tournament right now. But if they put together two halves like they did in the first half tonight and you take what is a typical defensive effort from them and we get that and you combine those two things, that is a team that I think can find a way to make a run. So they get South Carolina next, then they're at Tennessee on Saturday. I think we're, oh, I'm sorry, they're at, uh, at Alabama, they're at Alabama at next, Alabama. then South Carolina, then at Tennessee. So like we're going to know a lot about this group in, in mm-hmm. the next in the next 10 days. Yeah, I, I think mean, we're probably going to have a lot more conversations about them, a lot more stress. Kentucky fans are going to be, look, Big Blue Nation, love you guys. BB, uh, have a lot He's of great an ally. Hands. Rob Doster is a Kentucky ally, folks. I want them to be good, man. One, it's good for business. Two, I think it's good for college basketball. It's good for college basketball. They're good. It's good 100%. for college basketball. I, I think they won two games they're supposed to win. I think that's the bottom line. They won two games they're supposed to win. They took care of business. Let's see what happens on Saturday, right? They're going on the road. It's at Alabama. What an opportunity for them. I, I said it last week on the field of 68. I was like, they got some work to do in terms of getting in the NCAA tournament. I'm not saying stamp they're an NCAA tournament team right now, but that game on Saturday. Oh, what, beating Louisville at home doesn't move the needle? God, you're such a hater, McCall. <laughs> to that point, though, look, Kentucky doesn't have a bad loss. Like, nothing on their resume is like, oh, they lost to them. Count them out. 
still have a lot of time left with this team. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Let's move on to Kansas and Texas Tech, which was a really fun game. It went down to the wire tonight. I mean, Texas Tech started out strong. I thought that maybe they were going to kind of blow the game open at one point in the first half, but Kansas did Kansas stuff. Matt McCall, what stuck out to you? Business as usual for Kansas, right? I, I mean, you watch them and you watch them in this game. It's like they never get rattled. I, I've never – Texas Tech is one of the places in the country that I've never been in terms of in the environment, never coached there, never been to a game there, been to Rupp Arena obviously a million times. Uh, been to Kansas, been to North Carolina, you know, all the places in the SEC. And it seemed like Lubbock, Texas, that arena gets so loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just never rattled them. I mean, it was like, even when the game got really, really close, it's like timeout. They all go over there. It's just like, just unbelievable focus. And it just never seems like they get rattled, you know, and to make threes on the road, I think it's a very difficult thing to do. And they did that. Um, they show that they're the best team in the country as of right now. Um, We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Big win, Rob. On the road. Hot take. That's well, not yeah, a hot take. Also- I mean, where where are they ranked in the polls right now, according to all the experts? They're they're third. They're third, right? right um, they are on even Ken after Palm. the Purdue loss. Yeah, even after the Purdue, Purdue loss. Mm-hmm. Well, they will be. They'll probably jump up to second. Houston's going to end up being first um, okay. next week when the new polls end up coming out. Um, they are fifth on Ken Palm. It has not yet updated uh, for um, for for this win, but I I don't hate that. I don't hate that. At all, you're not. It's it. not by it's any just means to, 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 far to, off. And and I don't. I don't think they played great um, on Saturday versus Oklahoma State. Obviously, I don't think the matchup was great for them either. I, I, like I think, you know, hey, Matt, Matt, hold on, not to cut you off, but I do think we have a uh, a guest here joining yes, us. We do. Um, we got KJ okay. Adams with us. The game ceiling dunk in this one. You're talking about game ceiling threes, Matt McCall, but game ceiling dunks might be a little more impressive, especially on the road in hostile territory. He's hopping on with us right now. This is what this is what our uh, our live streams are like, ladies and gentlemen. Is uh, this is the way that we work it? You um, never know what's coming. Yeah, we never know what's coming. There he yeah. is, and now we do. <laughs> the man of the hour, KJ Adams. You are live, sir. Rob Dawson here. I got Megan McEwen and Matt McCall here with first and foremost, man. Congratulations on the win. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Uh, take me through. You had the game ceiling dunk. Just take me through what you saw in that moment. Take me through uh, 
how how quiet that building got and how nice that was to kind of silence everybody. <laughs> well, it was kind of like a broken core. I think we kind of broke their play up a little bit, so they didn't know what to do. I think someone fell, popped, fell, and Kevin got the ball, and I just started running. It was kind of like the instinct. He threw the ball over the top, and I saw a bot show in the corner of my eye going, so I knew I had to get hard or it was going to be a block or a foul. KJ, you guys obviously had a win at home versus Oklahoma State this past weekend. You go on the road, quick turnaround, seemed like an unbelievable environment tonight, and you guys, nothing rattled you. Nothing rattled you at all. Talk about the poise your team played with all night. Just going into timeouts, you guys just looked tremendously focused. I think you when you have people like Kevin, Jay Will, Juan, um, they all have been in big situations before, so their confidence kind of reflects on me a little bit, so it makes my job a little easier when you have a bunch of confident teammates around you every second. KJ, you guys have been so consistent this year, and there's always that mounting pressure on you, which comes with being Kansas and always being a top team in the country. But can you speak to how difficult it is to go on the road in these types of hostile environments and conference games and get wins? Um, I think just uh, playing hard. Um, Coach gave us a good good um, background on what to do, and I think we executed really good. And when we play hard teams like I uh, think we KJ might have froze. Hopefully, uh, might have froze on us. Might have froze on us. Anyway, KJ Adams, sixteen points, five rebounds, four offensive boards tonight. Um, the star of the night. I said it the other day on one of my yeah. podcasts, guys. Uh, KJ, you back with us? You talked about how great that arena was, Matt. There's too many people in there for the cell too phone many reception, man. Yeah, there's no there's no Wi-Fi. I, I had another great question for him too. I was going to ask him a question about. Norm Roberts, assistant coach there, when he was an assistant coach at the University of Florida with me, we'd play noon ball, and he used to always yell at me to go to the offensive glass. I used to say to Norm, like, Norm, I'm not going to the offensive glass. Okay, I'm, I'm standing out here and shooting jump shots. Stop yelling at me to go to the offensive glass. So I wanted to ask KJ if Norm yells at him to go to the offensive glass. Oh, man. That would have been and a we'll good never question, know. too. That would have been a great question. Maybe we'll get him back on at some point over the course of the season to to ask that hard hit or hard-hitting question. Um, Kansas plays great tonight. Let, let's switch to Texas Tech for a moment because there were a lot of great moments that we saw from them, specifically from a three-point shooting standpoint. And uh, Isaacs, man, Pop Isaacs. First off, best name in college basketball, one of. Fantastic. Fantastic stuff. But from him to, like, get the things going on early from a three-point shooting perspective, what impressed you most about his game tonight, Doster? Uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't necessarily realize that he was a guy that was going to be a shooter like that coming into this season, right? Mm -hmm. I thought he was more of a kind of a point guard, more of a facilitator, a little bit of a flashy dude. He had kind of that reputation coming in. Um, but he's, he, he was drilling shots. You know, my biggest issue with Texas tech has nothing to do with the offensive end of the floor. I'm just not convinced that they have the personnel and the framework to be able to play the kind of no middle defense that made them. Uh, that kind of made Mark Adams who he was for this group, right? Like the the no middle defense, you just kind of it is what exactly what it sounds like. Once you get somebody on one side of the floor, you do whatever you can to keep them on that side of the floor. You pre help, you try to force people into charges. That's why you always see Texas Tech teams uh, take so many charges. And I don't want to say that that's a gimmicky defense, but I think it's something where you can kind of scheme your way into breaking it down, throwing skip passes, kind of going short on the drives, finding people on the weak side of the floor, big playmakers. 
Um, and if you don't have absolutely elite on ball defenders and guys that could just hawk you, I just don't know if it's something that can work at the level that Texas Tech is going to need it to work to be in the mix for winning a, a Big 12 regular season title. Because that league, we talked about it the other night, man. There isn't a team in that conference ranked outside of the top 45 in the net or on Ken Palm. The, I'm doing air quotes here, the worst team in this conference coming in, it's not going to be after tonight, but coming in was Kansas State, who just put up 116 points on the road at Texas. Yeah, I mean, listen, and we talked about this in, in the group chat earlier, just about the no middle defense. And, I mean, I would say probably 75% of the country doesn't want the ball to get to the middle of the floor. But when you're out there pressuring the ball at the logo, you have to have elite on-ball defenders because once – we used to say this all the time. Like when we're playing against a team that wants to pressure all the way out there at the logo, whether I was a head coach or whether I was an assistant coach at Florida, keep the ball in the alley, run some type of middle pick and roll, and then you're going to open the whole floor up. Like you kept seeing Kansas, right? Uh, Texas Tech doesn't want the ball to get to the middle of the floor. So Kansas is driving a baseline. And what happens? The opposite mm -hmm. wing dives to the dunker spot right at the top of the halo and they're getting dunks. And that's what happens. But if you're going to hawk the ball at the logo, like you said, Rob, there's got to be elite on ball defenders, elite, where you can't give up space because you can sprint your five man up there and set a ball screen at the logo. And now the whole floor is opened up offensively. And I mean, I know Kansas is a really good offensive team, and I think that defense plays into Kansas's hands, even though they only scored 32 points in the second half. But they had 43 in the first half, and then just they had tremendous poise down the stretch to win the game. Yeah, like it worked last year. They were the number one team in, in defense on Ken Palm last year because they had nine guys on the roster that were all like 6'5 to 6'8 with long arms, super athletic, all of them old and upper class from like 21 to 23 years old. Now you're playing a seven-footer and Daniel Botzer out there. You got a freshman point guard and Pop Isaacs. You just you don't have the pieces that you had last year, and I don't know if it necessarily works with the pieces that you have um, th this year versus what you had uh, last year. Can I ask you guys about, about Kansas? Because we just had KJ Adams on here. Um, I think that he is he is the piece that makes Kansas good enough to go back-to-back, -back, right? Like, I love Jalen Williams. Grady Dick's really, really good. Kevin McCullough's like that glue guy. And Dewan Harris is might be uh, a top-five point guard in college basketball this year. I don't know how many guys I would take over him. But KJ Adams' ability to kind of play that I don't know. I don't know. You want to call it a small ball five? Like the, no, that's what it is. Five, that's like it. that's what it is. It's so weird watching Bill Self not have some big seven foot dude no that can question. get all these post touches. They they have five guys around the three point line. I'm like, what? I'm, I'm not. Am I watching? Is this Bill Self? It's unbelievable, and it's it's his ability to adjust to the roster that he has. I mean, that's why he's won a million Big Twelve championships. That's why he's only lost what. 15 home games in 19 years like th think about that stat like that that is insane 15 home games in 19 years I mean I think you know McCullough is just such an x factor and just the motor that he plays with and like you could see that game was important to him tonight like rightfully so but he didn't seem like he got caught up emotionally in what was going on in the game he just played and, and did what he does and made game winning plays so I, you know, do I want them to go back to back and be the first team since the University of Florida, 06, 07 to go back to back? I'm not rooting against them, but I think they definitely. Yes, I'll be honest. Look, we're I'm honest. Not, no, Norm Roberts. I love Norm. I love Norm. I love Norm. Norm's my guy. Norm, even though he yelled at me about going to the offensive glass, Norm's my guy. 
But um, <laughs> I think I think there's great parity in college basketball this year. So I don't think you can say, hey, they're the clear cut favorite to win the national championship. I think over the next six to eight weeks, we're gonna have multiple number one teams in the country. That would just be my opinion. But yeah, they're they're gonna be right there, and and no no question have a chance to get there. Yeah. When you look I, I at the top teams in this league, in this college basketball in general, though, one thing stands out and a common thread is that they've got players who have high IQs that can make plays, right? I think you saw Kansas tonight, they were able to make adjustments. They were able to get Texas Tech's defense to shift. You see Purdue play all the time. We talked about earlier, just their ability to have playmakers. They get Zach Eady in, in ball screen situations where he's able to just dominate down low, but that comes from having like high IQ players. Whereas you watch a team like Kentucky, who at times you're kind of like, is anyone thinking out there when you have the ball? So you talk about those high-ranked teams right now. What the common threat is, is they have high decision-making players out there. Mm -hmm. And that's, to me, that starts with, with Dewan Harris, right? And uh, I'll, I'll go back to the game on, on Saturday because something really, really stood out to me Uh, at the end. Oklahoma State hit a three to tie with, I think there was like 19 seconds left. Bill Self doesn't call a timeout. He's got timeouts left. He puts the ball into Juan Harris's hand. And instead of just kind of like clearing out and saying, all right, we're going to do this one four ISO and kind of let him go. Uh, he just put him in a ball screen and said, go make a decision. Go make a play. He's like, I, I trust you. You you were my point guard when we won a national title. I trust you to make a decision. Go make a decision. Go make a play. He got into the lane, got the help defender. Found KJ Adams, who, by the way, like back-to-back game-winning shots, game-clinching shots, like it's not bad. It's not bad for a guy that we doubted. What a week! What a week! week. Good for him. Week for him. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I, you know, that's that's the old to call a timeout or don't call a timeout, and that's Mm -hmm. like the biggest thing that's criticized as coaches. Oh, you should have called a timeout if it doesn't go the way that you think it should, or you know that it was supposed to go, or that the fans wanted to go. Or he called a timeout. He shouldn't have called a timeout. Should have let him play, but. Bill Self has confidence <laughs> in his guys, and he knows it, and he's a confident head coach, as he should be, with everything that he's accomplished and done. And, man, I, I, they're going to be right there. All right, Megan, I, I, got, a question. I got a question out. for you, Megan. I'm going to put you on the spot. How many point guards in college basketball this year would you take over Dewan Harris? I want to know. I'm trying to think of my Mount Rushmore of college basketball point guards. <laughs> I mean, Kerr Carissa. Oh, taking Kerr. Nice. Maybe that that might be it. That might be my soul. Um, no, who's my guy on SLU? Yuri Collins. Yuri Collins. Yuri Collins might be someone I'm also. And you can't at. throw out the best name in college basketball without throwing out Gibson Jimerson. You can't do it. Like that's there's <laughs> that's no fair way. too. You can't do it. So I my list was basically like six long. I said I, I think I would take Anthony Black, Tiger Campbell, uh, Marcus Carr, Adam Flagler. Kendrick Davis and Marquise Noel. And I don't know if there's anybody else that you would take over Dewan Harris. Now, I don't know if he's a guy that you want taking 20 shots a game, being like the the salt, the the star of your team. But if there's pieces around you, I don't know if there's someone that's better at facilitating, kind of running the show, playing defense, being a ball hawk. Like he just he does all the stuff you want him to do, and that's why they won a title last year. That's why they won a title, no question. Who are you taking, McCall? Megan, I, I I like your Yuri Collins pick. I mean, the the amount of assists that he gets every single night and doesn't consume himself with scoring. I know they've dropped a couple, and I was a I was a St. Louis fan <laughs> before the season. Um, I, I just think he's 
he's got to be at the top of the list. I, I I like Rob's pick on Marcus Carr to see how he's going to bounce back here after, you know, everything that's transpired and everything that went down last year with, with everybody um, at Texas. But, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm a Yuri Collins fan. Um, Love that. Let's transition now to Kansas state for a moment, Kansas state, Texas. I mean, they dropped, they hung 116 on Texas in Austin. Is that a lot? It's not a little (laughs) up 58 to 40 in the first half. How were you surprised by this at all from Kansas state? Hold on. I want to ask is Rob is, are they in the top in your top 25? Are they in your top 25 yet? Okay. Yeah, no, I, 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 I will, to be clear, I've been very high on Kansas State all year long because I knew how good Keontae Johnson was going to be and because I spoke with Jerome Tang before the season, and he was like, this Naquan Tomlin kid is a game changer. And you know what? That dude is a game changer. So I'm completely biased. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the wrong person to ask on this. But, yes, they if they're not in the top 25, we riot on Monday morning, McCall. They have to We're be. We're rioting. I don't wherever wherever you want to go. Wherever like, we want to go. You're, you're... We're going to Manhattan, Kansas. So my my <laughs> question is what what what's the reason they're not in the top 25 now? Their schedule? Yeah, they didn't really beat anybody. Okay. So take Missouri, take LSU, and take Kansas State. You've got three new coaches. You've got three guys that are taking over complete different situations. They're all trying to piece their teams together. They're all, nobody's walking into a situation where there's like a roster that's set. They're trying to give their team confidence. And that's why they built their non-conference schedule the way they did. They gave their team confidence. Take a team like St. John's. St. John's did the same thing, but yet St. John's has what? A lot of guys back. So now when they're faced with that adversity, now come Big East play, they have had no adversity in the non-league, but they have a lot of the same guys that are back. So it's almost like, hey, St. John's, let's schedule some more difficult games in November and December to prepare us for January, February, when we're lining up to play the Big East. Oh, St. John's, oh, by the way, they have to line up and play Providence at Providence the next game. But you look at what Kansas State, what Missouri, and what LSU have done, and I'm not saying any of them are guaranteed NCAA tournament teams, but they've built schedules to give their teams confidence come conference play with new coaches, with new players, with new systems, and that's exactly what you see happening. And you know what else would help St. John's? Mar- the two best players on Kansas State, Marquise Noel and Naquan Tomlin, are both from Harlem, and they ended up in Manhattan, Kansas. So just that, a different Manhattan, yeah, a little different. The other, but the other you, Manhattan, the little app. Yeah. You see, yeah. St. John's is faced with some adversity, and now you got players that are not playing that are in the rotation, and it's like, what's going on there, right? And you look at these three teams with those three new coaches that are all young, hungry, energetic, and their teams are playing at a high level, and their teams are playing confidently right now. And I think the way that they scheduled in the non-league, they get a lot of you know gr- grief for. But I think it's played into their hands. I think they've done a good job. Mm-hmm. For for this Texas team, who had won a ton in a row, just lost. I mean, how crushing is it to just have that type of performance on your home floor and to have a team come in who isn't ranked despite the fact that they should be, but nonetheless, as well as you've been playing, to have them come in and hang 116 on you? I just – I've never seen anything like that offensive performance. In right, a like conference I, game, Rob, like not to cut you off, like when's the last time you saw a team on the I, road I, score 116 points? I don't know. <laughs> I've never seen that before. And 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 here's the, the wild thing to me is like you will see teams go nuts for a half 
and then come back in the second half. And it's just like, okay, they came back down to earth. Kansas State didn't come back down. They scored 58 in both halves, right? They didn't come back down to earth. Texas just was not playing defense. I don't know, McCall, you're, you'll be able to answer this better than me. Is, it, is that like, is that a coaching thing? Is that like a lack of leadership thing? Is that a, is that like what, what, I don't know. I don't even know. Is that just a weird, like, was this just a, a night where Kansas State got it going and there was nothing that Texas was going to be able to do? Well, I think it's a little bit of both, right? I mean, if you go into the half and there's the other team has 58 points on the board, it's like, hey guys, we got to do something different. Mm-hmm. Like we're not coming out and playing man to man. We're not. We're, we're not coming out and pressing. We're not coming out and playing zone. Like we we have to. Like we have to do something different. We're gonna trap ball screens. We got to do this. We got to like. We're not gonna just continue to give up this amount of points. And think about this: they scored 116 points, and they made 13 threes. Like if in that amount of points, like you'd think they made like 23, like something like mm-hmm. astronomical. Now I know they shot 56 percent from the three point line, but you think like as a coaching staff, hey man, we gotta we gotta we gotta switch this up. We get we gotta do something different here. This ain't working. So you hear about you hear play about zone. 40, let's 40, press. 90, let's 90. do this. Like, I mean, this you look at the score. It's like the 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 you know the Pelicans were playing like at the Nuggets tonight. Like, yeah, and they just got like, hot. You hear you hear about 50, 40, 90 shooters, right? Kansas State tonight was sixty percent from the floor, fifty four percent from three, and ninety four percent from the free throw. Like, it's well, a, they were missing. What well, how they, about? What I think? mean, Texas scores one hundred and three at home and lost, and they got smacked. It was never a game. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. Never a game. <laughs> well, how about the fact that you've got Marquise Noel who drops thirty six points? He's six for ten from three, a perfect. 12 for 12 from the line, which I know, Coach McCall, you like to hear those types of numbers. And look who's with us now. Marquise himself joining us from what looks like a tunnel down low in Austin, Texas. Hey, Marquise, how you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm trying to get this thing. Okay. All right. How you doing? Hey, good. We got Rob Doster, Matt McCall, Megan McEwen with you. You're live with us on Field of 68 After Dark. Uh, y'all hung 116 on Texas at Texas. What was the key to getting the scoring going early in the first half? Uh, I want to start off by saying uh, I want to give all the honor and glory to God himself um, for allowing this to be possible because without him, none of this would be possible. But to answer your question, um, man, you got to give credit to Texas. Um, I feel like they bring the best out of you know every team that they play. And they brought the best out of us today. Um, we had major contributions from guys, you know, coming off the bench. And, you know, guys like Keontae Johnson, Cam Carter, um, Desi Seals, them guys showed up in and, and, and big-time moments. And that's why we were able to win. So. Marquise, you mentioned uh, Keontae Johnson. He had 28 points, nine boards, five assists tonight. We know kind of what he went through last year, and we've seen the way that he's played this year. He's playing at an All-American Big 12 Player of the Year kind of level. Is this – were you expecting this out of him? Because I think a lot of people are like, oh, this is going to be a, like a good story. It's going to be nice to see him playing again. It's like he's back and he's better than he was um, before he had his his health situation. So was this – did you guys see this coming in the summer? Um, yes, we definitely seen this. You know, Keontae is a very consistent guy. You know what you're getting out of him each and every day. Um, he's probably, probably, you know, the one of the best players in the Big 12, if not the best. Um, and, you know, to miss two years and, and still come out like this, that just it just shows, you know, how hard he worked to get back to this point. So, 
Um, yeah, we, we, we definitely expected it from Keontae. Um, he's, he's very consistent and he works, you know, tirelessly, you know, on his game. So, Marquise, let me ask you guys this. Like, I know this is a big stat in the game for you. Team shot 33 free throws. You guys go 31 for 33 from the foul line. You yourself, you go 12 for 12. Your team shot 94% from the free throw line. What was the key in terms of how you guys got so many free throw attempts? Uh, we know we, we knew what our plan of attack was uh, today. We knew that we wanted to be aggressive um, and, and get downhill. And with our aggression, um, allowed us to get, you know, fouls and enjoy easy fouls. So, you know, we, we, we played really hard. We played tough. And when, when you play like that, you know, stuff like that happens. Hey, question for you now. You're, you're second in the nation in assists. You had nine tonight. For you as a point guard, especially with this Kansas State team, like how are you able to get your teammates in positions to score so well? Uh, I, I watch a lot of film, um, and, I, and I have a really good chemistry with all the guys on the team. Um, each and every day we, we are with each other, um, talking and laughing and joking. So that allows, you know, on-court chemistry to, to be even better. But, you know, I have really, really good players on my team. And I found out that, you know, when I get others involved and I, and I pass and I get assists, it kind of opens up the floor for, for me. So I try to, you know, focus on that coming out of games uh, with getting guys easy look and easy touches so that, you know, at the end of the game, I could, I could be, you know, in attack mode. So last season, Marquise, uh, when you saw Jerome Tang, he was coaching. For Baylor this year, he is running your program. Uh, what's what's been the biggest difference with him there? What what, what is you know you're, you're 13 and one this season. What has been what what has he provided that has gotten you guys off to the start? Man, that guy is incredible. Each and every day, he's a. It, you, you never heard a, a bad story about Coach Tang. Um, and every day, you know, he tries to teach us life lessons. You know, through basketball, um, he we, we have Sunday dinners at his you know place. Um, and just what he brings to us, he brings a, a certain level of confidence each and every day that, you know, K-State needs. He brings a certain level of tenacity that we need, and he's a really, really good coach Coach with X's and O's and in-game adjustments. So, I mean, he waited 19 years for this moment, um, and, you know, God placed him, you know, in K-State, you know, hands at the right moment, and he's taking full advantage of it. Marquise, I got one more for you. So uh, Naquan Tomlin is a guy not a lot of people not a lot of people knew about. He's from Harlem. You're from Harlem. Are we crediting you? With the, was that your was that your scout? Was that your recruit? Man, yeah, I, I helped a little bit on Naquan because he's a he's a New York native, but that's another guy who who, who gave us big time minutes today. Coming in second half, aggressive, even though he had those two quick fouls. But yeah, Naquan is. It's a story that most people should should really read on. Best and, kept secret. That's what I'm calling them. Best kept secret. Definitely that. Um, and <laughs> you you'll see that more this this year. So, hey, last one for you from me. Uh, how different is Manhattan, New York, from Manhattan, Kansas? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, it's it's just more buildings. That's all. That's it. That's <laughs> it. Great answer. Great answer. Keep it simple. Hey, you guys are 13 and one now. 
what uh, you guys talk about, you know, you're not ranked yet, though, in the top 25. What's this team's mentality right now after knocking off Texas out of the road? Uh, our mentality is, you know, we're going we're gonna to celebrate this win. Um, you know, this is a big-time win for us, and it probably get us in the top 25. But after, after you know, today we've done celebrating, we're going to go on to the next thing and focus on, you know, another tough opponent, which is Baylor. Um, and coach always talk about, you know, want to know what's next. So we're going to have fun tonight, and then tomorrow we'll, we'll start to lock in. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Marquise Noel. Safe travels thank back you. home. I think that travel back is going to be a lot better <laughs> after a win. Yes. Thank you. Happy New Year to all of y'all. Happy New Year. Happy man. New Year. Well, it's so true, by the way, that ride back, oh, plane ride back, a hundred thousand oh, times there's better. There's nothing better. There's nothing yeah, better. I like how you guys are talking about plane rides. We had six hour bus rides where we got a. It somewhere. doesn't matter if you if you win on a matter. bus ride. We, we got to start. No, was great. We bust back one time after beating LaSalle on the road. We bust back to Amherst like in a snowstorm. And it like took like like 12 hours to get back. It didn't matter because we won. It's like there's nothing better that ride home after a win. I don't care if you're on a bus, plane, in an airport, waiting on a commercial flight. There's nothing better. That's honestly the best time to like bond and build team chemistry. No build, like mm-hmm. get along with people. You're stuck in the bus. Like, what are you yeah, gonna do? What you are gonna you gonna play do? cards? You gotta talk. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, this, you know who's got a really bad ride back home tonight is UVA. Lost on the road at Pitt in the game situation. They lost 68 to 65. And they were leading by 10 at the half. And you saw typical UVA basketball. You saw disciplined offense, disciplined defense. Like I love watching their brand of basketball in the first half, but then I mean, we got to give a little love to this Pittsburgh team, That's don't what I'm you, saying. Nicole? That's exactly what I was about to say. I mean, we're, we're but, talking before about we do, what, can we give a little Virginia love to that do. segue? Like, the, the good job, Megan. Did you see, <laughs> okay. see that? All right. Go ahead, McCall. Sorry. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I think, you know, Pittsburgh's coming off an emotional win versus Carolina at home. Uh, and they followed it up again tonight, just handling business by beating Virginia at home. Like, I, I just – I think you got to give Pittsburgh credit. Like, forget what Virginia didn't do. How about what Pittsburgh did do? They've won two high-level games going into the season, and I've talked about this before. Jeff Capel was on the hot seat, right? And everyone was like, oh, the Pittsburgh job's coming open. And he's able to block all that out and put us – I mean, what are they in the ACC right now? Are they undefeated? undefeated undefeated right Mm -hmm. and just to block that out get his team focused and playing the right way you know Jamarius Burton started his career at Wichita State transferred to Texas Tech now he's at Pittsburgh I mean he's not only a high level player he's a high character kid recruited him a little bit when I was at UMass I never forget I walked into his living room and he had on in it on his living room wall every single school that was recruiting him and like facts about schools like pinned up on his wall in his living room. And it's just like shows you like this kid's all about business. Like he's all about making the right decision and to see it all coming together for him. Those are the kind of guys you root for, but man, tip your head. It's not what Virginia didn't do. Tip your head to Pittsburgh, man. They're, they're, they're playing well. They've blocked out the distractions and you know, coach Capel, man, kudos to you. And they still don't have the guy that we all thought was going to be their best player coming into the season, John Huey. Yeah. He hasn't been playing. I think he played the first uh, – I want to say it was the first seven games of the season, and then he hasn't really been back. Um, 
bat college basketball is better when Pitt is good, right? Like I I grew up on Big East basketball. Right. I grew up watching the Brandon Knight teams go to war with UConn. I, I grew up watching those teams play Villanova. You know, one of the the best memories I have of being a college basketball fan was uh, the the the, the Pitt Villanova Elite Eight game back in two thousand nine. Right? Like you remember that unbelievable yeah. game. Yeah. When Pitt's good, that fan base is loud. It's rowdy. That building is packed. It's one of the best home court environments you can get. Um, so I'm just glad that they're back. Like, I'm just glad that there's a play like we can talk about Pitt Panther basketball and be able to have good things to say instead of making fun of the program or making fun of Kevin Stallings or whatever we're normally doing. Or who's the um, next head coach? Oh, who's, yeah, who's, yeah. who's the next who, guy? Who's get the the pitch up? Who turns oh, here it we around? go. Oh, here we go. Turns out it's Jeff Capel. Like, exactly. And, and the thing about it is, like, I don't think this is a fluke either, right? I know they had a rough start to the season, they lost three of their first four, but they got dudes. Right. And and so much of winning at this level comes down to whether or not you have the talent to win at this level. And Jeff Capel's got dudes and he's had dudes in this program before. Problem was three years ago, it completely blew up because there was team chemistry stuff that just didn't work. Maybe they need to take bus rides in the snow with you, McCall. I don't know. <laughs> but they, they have they have they have guys that are talented enough to go and win games at the ACC level. They've now beaten North Carolina and Virginia back-to-back. Like, we can't – it's not a fluke. We can't pretend that it's just, like, not happening anymore. Like, Pitt basketball is back, baby. I'm but here it for also, it. But it also takes a head coach time, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Coach Capel has it's been a head coach at Oklahoma. He's been at VCU. Like, he knows what he's doing. He's coaching the NCAA tournament. He takes over a place where – you know, when he took it over, it wasn't in a very good place at all. He's got to figure it out a little bit. Like, who are the guys that I can coach? What are, Who are the guys that are the right fit for this program? How can we get it right in the locker room? And that's what he's done. And that's you see what they're doing right now. Mm-hmm. So they've now knocked off North Carolina, UVA, Syracuse as well, uh, in ACC play. Where do you fit this team in when it comes to the rest of the ACC? Well, are we calling Syracuse a good win now? I'm just saying ACC wise. <laughs> no, I got you. Um, I I still think, man, I don't know. I still think the ACC kind of runs through Miami, and they right? ran, they beat NC State as well. Yeah, I I, I still think that I, I think the ACC runs through Miami this year. Um, but seeing. And it's hard to know with Duke, right? Because Jeremy Roach has been dealing with this. I think it's a sprained toe or like turf toe or something like that. He's got a toe injury that's bothering him. And without him on the floor, it kind of changes who Duke is. He's really their only point guard. Uh, And their freshmen are just like, you know, they're still kind of getting up to speed to where they need to be. Um, But I think Miami's the best team in the league. And But after seeing this, like if you beat North Carolina and Virginia, you just beat two of the four teams that you're going to be competing with for ACC regular season title, right? They're sitting at 4-0. That's exactly right. You can't right. ignore it. That's exactly right. That's exactly I, I mean, I, I I don't think the ACC by any means is great this year, right? Especially with, you know, the struggles that Carolina has had. Um, I think, you know, Virginia will be fine. They'll figure it out. I, I think there's a bunch of teams right there in the middle that you're kind of like, okay, who's going to rise to the top as they move forward here? Is it going to be Virginia Tech? Is it going to be Wake Forest? Like, Who's going to take a jump as we move towards the end of January and the beginning of February and separate themselves a little bit from the pack? Um, but I think Pittsburgh could be there. You know, I think they got to win some more games. They can't get too high right now because they just beat Carolina and Pitt. I mean, Carolina and um, Virginia, they've got to come back down to earth, get back to work. And who's the next? All right, we, we've done this. We're undefeated up to this point. But who's next? we got to focus on who's next. Who do we got next? Who do we got next? So, um, 
but it'll be interesting. I just don't see there's much separation in that middle yet. And I think that's why, you know, late January and early February is so important for college basketball. You know what's really bad for the league as a whole? I'm sorry. I just I want to make one. No, quick, no, take it. Take quick. it. Florida State had an awful start to the season because they were so injured. When you look at the 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 metrics, when you look at the Kempom numbers, when you look at the net, um, none of that stuff uh, gets taken into account. Um, no. Like the, the injuries, the pieces you were missing, the struggles you had at the start of the year. Same thing with Boston College. Right, like Boston College is a guy that Randolph Childress and Terrence Oglesby got onto this show for our ACC preview and hyped up. They missed, they were missing a bunch of key guys when they lost to New Hampshire and they lost to Maine. They took some bad losses early in the season. The uh, the the numbers aren't going to matter there, right? If they get into the NCAA tournament picture, then that's something that the committee will take into account. But it doesn't take into account when it comes to the metrics. And what that's going to do is drag down all of those programs that they play, right? Florida state's got awful metrics. They just, when they, whenever they beat somebody, it's going to torpedo their resume. Same thing with Boston college. And I guess same thing with Louisville, but like I, Louisville's just got no excuses. They just suck. Although they almost beat Syracuse tonight. Um, yes, they did almost beat Syracuse tonight. This, this is the thing that actually happened. But back to your point, Matt, about like who who's going to like break away from the pack right there in the middle in the ACC. It's very similar in the Big Ten. And tonight, you know, all that we saw, Purdue get knocked off last night against Rutgers. But tonight we saw Wisconsin um, go down to the wire against Minnesota. And when you talk about the Big Ten, you say, okay, like, you know, the parity is great from two through 13. Anyone can beat each other. And then 14th is Minnesota. But yet this one goes down to the wire. How much of this is? Minnesota played really well and how much of this is Wisconsin just kind of messed up, but there's really no reason to be concerned here. I think first and foremost, you got to call them first place in the big 10 Wisconsin because they are currently sitting in first place in the big 10. So put some respect on their name, Megan whiskey. (laughs) I just, I I mean, it's hard to win, right? I don't care if you're playing at home, playing on the road, whatever it is. I mean, to put your best foot forward every single night, like it's hard to win. And, you know, if you're playing against the Minnesota team, who's backs against the wall, who haven't had much success, they're not just going to roll over and just, Hey, we haven't played well. No, they're going to, they've got some pride. They're going to show up and play and compete at a high, high level. Like it's, it's difficult to win. And everyone's like, Oh man, they almost lost it. You're getting a conference play. Listen, in 2014, we went 18 and 0 in the SEC, right? And Auburn was one of the lower teams in the SEC, and we almost lost to them twice. Like it's it's hard to win. We almost lost to them on the road. We almost lost to them at home. Like it's like those teams are going to fight. Like everyone's going to fight. They have some pride, and you've got to put your best foot forward. And if one night the ball's not going in the basket, and the other team gets hot from behind a three point line, or you know you're struggling against a zone and w- whatever it may be, it's it's just hard to win. So I wouldn't look too much into it for Wisconsin. Um, I just think that man, it, you get in a conference play, it, you know, games are going to come down to the wire, or you're going to have games that. You know, we've never seen before, like tonight, when Kansas State scores 116 points. Like, right on the road. On the road. Like, I just, you know, it's it's crazy. It's college basketball. It's what it's what makes it the best. I also Rob, just don't think Minnesota. Wisconsin is built to, to. I'm sorry. I just I don't think Wisconsin is built to blow people out either. I think that they're just kind of built to play close games. They play that slow tempo. Yeah. Um, they are not a great offensive team. They don't really go get offensive rebounds. They don't really turn the ball over. Like they just kind of. They go out there and they do what they do and they find a way to get it done. They're one of those teams where um, you could be down six and it feels like you're down 24 because you just know mm-hmm. it's going to take uh, it's going to take at least like two and a half minutes for you to get the numbers of possession 
options that you need to be able to cut that lead back. And I think it kind of plays out in the games that they played, right? They went to overtime, lost by one to Kansas in the Bahamas. Uh, they beat USC by five. They lost to Wake Forest by three. Um, they beat Marquette in overtime. They beat Maryland by five. Everybody blows out Maryland by 30. They beat Maryland by five. Uh, they beat Iowa in OT. Um, they beat uh, Lehigh by 22, but that was a game where they were losing at halftime. They they won. They beat Western Michigan by 10. So I just think that this is that's kind of what they do, right? They play games. They're never going to look great, but they're just going to find a way to get it done at the end of the day. Here's a couple interesting stats to throw at you guys, though, tonight. Minnesota had 20 turnovers. Wisconsin, 21 points off those turnovers. Yeah, and, they, and Wisconsin won. But the rebounding margin here, Minnesota out-rebounded Wisconsin 40-24 to 24 on their home floor. So things like that, again, to the point of Wisconsin-style play, is just different. They slow people down. They grind it out on defense. They force you to go through your set for 30 seconds almost. But, like, are those types of little things concerning, or is, again, a fluke in your eyes? I, I don't think it's too concerning at all. I, I, I mean, I agree with what Rob said. I, I just don't think that they're a team that's going to blow teams out. I think they do what they do and are effective at what they do, and there's going to be close games, and other teams are are, are going to be able to – you know, find ways to beat them when it when it comes down to that. Um, my only thing is this, Megan. We we've been on here now for an hour, okay. And I'm not trying to pivot off off of our schedule. But, pivot away, okay. And Rob mentioned it in his toast of the night. Do we give Tennessee on the field of 68 enough credit? Do do do, do we toast them? Do we give them enough credit for what they're doing? Because you're talking about the number one defense in the country. Okay, when you look at their defensive efficiency, right now in home games, their DER, and what, whoever fans don't understand what DER is, your defensive efficiency rating. It's basically how many times a team is scoring per possession. In home games, it's 0.63. Okay, and on the year, it's 0.74. So teams do not score against them. And then they go out tonight and they score 87 with that defense. So, like, we want to talk about, like, Final Four team. We want to talk about a team that could win a national championship. Do we talk about Tennessee enough on the field of 68? And, I, and listen, I'm a, I'm a Gator alum, okay? I do not like that color orange, okay? <laughs> My father played linebacker at the University of Florida. I was raised to not like that color orange. But, like, what a team and what a performance. And I'm not trying to pivot off Wisconsin, but – no, I got to talk about Tennessee right now because we haven't t- we haven't talked about them outside of Rob's toast. I mean, they're well, the best defensive team in the country, and then they score eighty seven. You, yeah, but not only eighty seven, they scored eighty seven against a Mississippi State team that came in ranked in the top ten in adjusted defensive efficiency on Ken Palm, and is coached by a guy you can attest to this, Matt. Great defensive mind in Chris Jans. They put eighty seven up on them. We're not talking about them enough. We're, we aren't. We don't. We don't talk about them enough. We don't. We we get so caught up in Kentucky and what's Cal doing on offense, and oh my gosh, what are they going to figure it out? Let's talk about Tennessee. Well, here's here's my here's, here's my big re, here's my big take. Why, Megan? Tell me if you think this is fair. They, this is the first time where they've done something where it's like, okay, I can I can buy into them right since the Kansas win, since they beat Kansas in what well, I think that was the day after Thanksgiving, November twenty fifth. Yep. Yeah. So it was the first time they did something you could buy. Yes, they beat Maryland, but when they beat Maryland, it was kind of like that was one of the ugliest basketball games I've ever seen in my life. I never, I didn't even want to think about that, let alone talk about it. Um, they lost at Arizona in a game that they could have won at Arizona. Arizona is a very, very, very good team. But like beating Mississippi is not going to move the needle. They played 
four bye games since they beat Kansas. This was the first time that they did something where you're like, whoa, okay. Oh, that was okay. That's something that you got to take note of. I think it's because people don't really like that color orange, kind of like my, my <laughs> bubbly sparkling water can, can here. I don't think people like that. The Tennessee fans and Thompson Bowling Arena, what an environment, one of the toughest places to play in the SEC. But man, don't sleep on them. I think we got to talk about them a little bit more. We do. That's fair because we talked about them a ton when they lost to Colorado at the beginning of the year. There you go. And it just See? goes to show you the longevity of a season and stuff that happens in November. By the time January comes around, people can be singing a completely different no question. Tune. No question. We have we have a couple quick questions in the chat. The they wanted us to they, they wanted some questions answered. One of them um, is Purdue overrated. No. I don't think so either. Yep. <laughs> One about, one word answered. No. no. How about no. I, I'd like to know when the first Hurley technical foul comes tomorrow night. Uh, UConn is playing at Providence tomorrow night. When's the first Dan Hurley technical foul? Over under I, second media timeout. I'm saying he doesn't get one. I'm saying he doesn't get one. I, I don't think he gets one either. And, and, and if he does, I don't think it comes until uh, the end of the game when it's already out of reach. I don't think we see him do what yeah, he I did. Don't, I don't think he gets last one. season. Yeah. Um, all right, how about this one? Uh, Bryce Hopkins, Big East Player of the Year, yes or no? Mm. Too early to tell. I think he is. I think he is. Okay, okay. I, I, he okay. just he's so damn good, and he's getting better. And Providence is only going to go up, and he's only like he's only just kind of like really figuring this. I think so. I think so, he, so you're going against your your team. You're going against. Sonogo, you're going. You're, you're you're picking him over over UConn. Any guy I here? I am, and the reason why is that I think Sonogo is a great cog in a system, right? I think he is he's perfect for what Hurley wants him to be able to do. Whereas Bryce Hopkins is a guy that can go out and make a difference every game just because of how good he is. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. That, so that's why I would do it. I would I would go with Hopkins. Also, I think we're going to see more games. I don't know if we'll go for 29 and 23 again, but I think we're going to see more games where he just he goes off. Okay. That was all the good ones. Sorry. We can we can we can keep it moving. That's all you got for us? Like, look, Matt got his tangent. He wanted to go on Tennessee. Do you have anything else you'd like to get out before we before we wrap up? Um no one, uh, no one should speak to me. No one should look and try to find me from uh, from 630 until about 845 tomorrow. I'm going completely dark mode. I don't want to hear from anybody. Zero dark um, 30. No tweeting by you during yeah, that time? I'll, I will, be, I will be tweeting. It'll it'll be a lot of rage tweeting. I, I don't be like LeBron in the playoffs. Like, it's, like it's, okay. UConn is at Providence, 630 tomorrow. Fox Sports 1. I, uh, I, I don't feel great about this matchup. You're not going up to the dunk? Uh, it, well, first of all, it's the amp right now. I'd coolly be very upset with you if you called okay. it the dunk. Sorry, sorry. I, but I, but I, I will never call it the amp. It's the dunk to me. It's the dunk. It's, it's the, the dunk. dunk. Yeah. Um, all I got to say is that if if uh, if Providence wins, then every Providence fan in the chat better buy one of our Friars t-shirts. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Field of 68 dot shop. There you go, Megan. There you go, Megan. Get on there. Get your stuff. <laughs> Kentucky fans, uh, you, you're, you didn't wear your Gravy Dick shirt tonight. You had it on standby, I'm sure, though. We got well, all sorts we got of stuff there. Instead, you know, that's you this is what happens when we trust him. Goodman to get us our interviews. We get guys with no uh, no Wi-Fi and not the guy you wanted. No. Unbelievable. Got, still, no. Goodman's still on sabbatical. He's on sabbatical. <laughs> He's looking at real estate right now, literally. 
Oh, here's, right, here's, here's one. Here's one for you real quick, guys. Um, Rick Patino to Georgetown. Yes or no? Oh, I saw I saw this with you the other night. I, I, I don't know with you, Chad. <laughs> I saw your prediction the other night. Um, oof. Do I think he stays at Iona? No. Do I think he goes to Georgetown? Would I like to see it? Yes. I think it's more likely he's living in Tampa than uh, living okay. in Washington, D.C. Um, okay. I got, I got a real in the summer. It's warm in the summer. You never know. I love mm-hmm. that idea. Mm-hmm. I got one more for you. I don't I want like an honest opinion on this because this, I, I kind of fuck around with the Ed Cooley thing. And I, I, I think it's Rick Patino would crush it just about anywhere. What about Micah Shrewsbury at Georgetown? He's got the personality to deal with the, the, the kind of drama in that city and, and, and dealing with some of those power brokers. I, I think Micah Shrewsbury is a really, really good coach. I do too. I, I do. I think what he's done and, you know, kind of building it and going through some struggles and, you know, learning who he is as a coach. Um, you know, I, I, I think ultimately Georgetown has to make the decision, right? Cause we as the media and I'm, I'm part of the media now, we love to predict who's going to be the <laughs> next coach. And I, I'm not the f- biggest fan of, Hey, let's talk about who the next coach is while the current coach is still there. Um, but I think obviously it's no secret. You, you can't lose 22, 23 straight Big East games and continue in that direction. Um, I I think Michael Shrewsbury is really good. I just think they've got to get some type of when they make a move, if they make a move, they've got to get a dynamic personality to come in there and change things and do things differently. I think John Thompson, the third is a terrific coach. He went to the final four. Obviously he's in the family. You know, I think, you know, Patrick Ewing's been up against it a little bit here, but like who can go in there with a dynamic personality and really shake it up. And, you know, all these schools are like, we got to stay within the family. We got to stay within the family. We got to, you know, but it's kind of like, man, you want to win too. You know, you, you want your program to be back on top. So, um, is that Michael Shrewsbury? I'm not sure. I know he's a really, really good coach and it's impressive what he's done at Penn state. To that point too, though, like how much to me, like the greatest benefit of going to Georgetown would be you're at a basketball school now. But, like, how much better of a job at this moment in time is Georgetown than Penn State? Uh, I mean, I think, you know, you're in Washington, D.C. You've got the tradition sure. of competing with football. I think it's a terrific, terrific job. I mean, so when, you think when Georgetown's worth, rolling, Georgetown is – it's one of the – Even though you're going to be starting from ground zero. You, so you think it's a better job than Penn State? Where is that right now? Yeah, yeah you, I, you, I do. Yeah. I do. And the biggest reason for me is that I think that it is Georgetown is unequivocally a top four job in the biggies. However you want to rank it, um, whatever order you want to put them in, I think that it's UConn, Georgetown, uh, Marquette, and um, who am I blanking on? UConn, Georgetown, Marquette, and I forget the other one, but whatever the order is, it's one of the top four jobs in the Big East. And Penn State, to me, is one of the bottom jobs in the Big Ten. Now, you probably have more money coming in, this, that, and the third. But uh, if you want to find a way to be able to um, be successful and get those contract extensions instead of getting, like, one contract and getting a buy, like, you got to have one of the best jobs um, in the uh, – Villanova was on a Yeah, I was about to say, Rob, you may want to throw Villanova in there or you're going to get absolutely roasted on Twitter tonight. Just – that that was a brand. They they are. Um, but yeah, I think you, it's really important to have one of the best jobs in your league if you want to be able to 
keep it rolling and keep it successful. So no question. That's that's just kind of where I'm at with it. Cool. That was that was those were all great points you just threw in there at the end. I liked it. Any other questions in the chat? I don't know. Let me bring it back up. Well, you're I, I like how you're kind of getting us ready for uh, for after dark when we have the afters. Yeah. We're getting we're getting nose. We'll wrap it up. I, here. Think, we'll I, think well, I just want to say one thing Trevor's real quick to, no. to MK to MK. Talk, someone just asked why Xavier's not a top four job in the Big East. It's a to me it is a it's a budget thing. Um, but I think Xavier like is in this weird tier where they're they're better than the next tier of jobs, but I don't think that they're quite at the same level as the top four. A lot of it has to do with budget, but like at the end of the day, everybody wins there. They have a huge, massive, wild, raucous home court. The people care. Um, if you ask for something, you will get it. It's just there's like there's there's levels to the spending, and Marquette is not uh, Xavier's not quite at the levels that some of those other programs are. But I think it's like it's it's clearly fifth to me, meaning above everybody else. Sorry, go ahead. All good there. All right, gentlemen. Good discussion tonight. Had some good guests on as well. Make sure your internet connection is good next time, though. Talking to you, Kansas. We'll see you next time on Field of 68 After Dark. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.